Are you seeking advice? Are you looking for guidance, someone to help you make the most of your life? Do you need a mentor? You are in the right place. You have found the Mentor Project Podcast. We are here to enlighten the path of those that seek advice in their lives. More people need help these days than ever before. Join us for a unique discussion. All you have to do is sit back and relax. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Mentor Project Podcast, episode 005. That's right, folks. Number five. Today, I am with my good uh, co-partner here. His name is Wes. And uh, one of our other co-mentors, Stuart Sachs. The three of us are going to do a show today. It's going to be a little bit different today than some of our other shows. Uh, hopefully, you will take away something, some great advice, maybe some great thoughts, maybe some great ideas. Uh, either way, it'll be a very insightful show that you're going to get something away. Um, it'll help you out in the future. And today's topic, it's really just one word, airlines. What does that mean? Wes, I let you come up with the idea today. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because over the course of the next year or two years, we're all randomly going to come up with thoughts and show names and all. And uh, Monica from episode number four was supposed to choose the show, but she got a little sick. So uh, Wes goes, hey, I want to do it. So today we're talking airlines. Wes, what are we talking about? Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, so my thoughts over the period of us putting all this together, um, some of the <clears throat> 10 topics that we all kind of came up with, I thought, uh, you know, ultra low cost airlines or low cost airlines as a lower category from that um, would be a good topic to talk about. Um, you know, there's new airlines that are popping up. Uh, I know here in Canada, we got um, well, a semi-new airline. They've had a, a long historic struggle. Um, it's called Can Canadian or Canada Jetlines. Uh, they've only got one aircraft right now, and they're going through the final stages of approval through Transport Canada and all that kind of stuff. Um, so they should when be you say pretty... one. They just got one jet. Yeah, what one aircraft? Uh... <laughs> okay, folks. There you go. One jet. <laughs> And that, that qualifies you to call yourself an airline. Right. Yeah, exactly. So can't we say that I, two calls you an airline, not one? One just means you got an airplane. <laughs> exactly. So, so I would I would assume with one air with what one airplane that you don't have a really a lot of choices of destinations. No, exactly. So they're 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 limited to basically their their headquarters base uh, terminal in uh, Calgary, Alberta. And a few other arrival destinations. I can't remember what they decided to add. Possibly Vancouver, possibly Edmonton. Um, I think they're still in the phases of figuring out where they want to fly and adding routes as we speak. So that's interesting. I, I, when you said that, I was thinking just what Stuart and I were thinking. Wait a yeah. minute, you got one jet. So yeah, you're right. very limited. It's not likely you're going to be able just to fly from Calgary to somewhere else. And maybe it won't be a round trip. It'll be a one-stop destination, right? Because they got to sit and refuel and do it on that end. And good luck trying yeah. to get a ride back. So Exactly. I mean, some of the, the cool aspects to Canada Jetlines is that they're direct. You know, one of the, the key directors to that airline is actually 
the president CEO of a brewery company. They do craft, craft brewery, uh, beers, ciders, all kinds of stuff. Um, and they're all, uh, they have a Canadian division and a U.S. division. So you'll be able to get specialty drinks on their aircraft. Well, interesting. We were, it's funny because when we were uh, topping the topic in email, trying mm -hmm. to figure out what we were going to talk about today, Stuart said something before the show started and he, you know, as he goes and does his research, he found out Sun Country and Sun Country is an American Airlines, uh, small. And I don't know, I think they have more, Stuart, I think they have more than one plane. They probably have at least 10 planes, you know, <laughs> maybe call it 50, but whatever the case is, I've flown with them. I just can't remember if it was 1998 or 2010. Um, but my wife and I flew with them one time. I can't remember it being, you know, good, bad or indifferent as far as any kind of a review that I could do today, except that it was just a flight. I mean, we, we got on it and we went and, and I, I believe, I believe we flew back, but it was an international flight. We either, it was in 2010 we went to Playa de Carmen, and if it was in 1998, then it was uh, to Cabo. So I don't know. What, what was your thoughts on that, Stuart? Well, you, I mean, uh, when I started to do a little bit of research, I thought, you know, I've, I haven't heard of some of these airlines. Uh, you know, uh, uh, when you're looking for a, a cheap flight, like uh, Wes said, an ultra, uh, you know, cheap flight or something, uh, the first thing that pops up is Kayak and Expedia and, and you know, all of these, you know, services to try and, and, and find it. But then I started looking at some of the airlines and there were uh, uh, airlines that I had heard of, both positive and negative results like Spirit, there's Blue, Skybus, uh, you know, it, actually there was one called Polaris too that I had never heard of. I never heard of that one. Uh, so, you know, I, and, and some of these are small independent airlines, uh, but then this sun country popped up and I mean, sun country flies to, to 20, 30 different cities. So they must have a, a decent fleet and they, they do everything from Alaska down to Cancun. So they cover a lot of, a lot of places, Florida to, to, to Seattle. And I don't know why I had never heard of them. And then when I went on online, I mean, it's surprising because a lot of their flights were maybe a hundred dollars round trip less than than some of the others. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, maybe they just want to keep a low profile because they don't want to get inundated uh, and and grow too too quickly. I don't uh, know. You know, it's it's interesting when you look at that different airlines. You know, I can give just a recent personal experience. My wife is uh, getting ready to go from. Michigan to Texas um, to come see some good friends of ours in the next uh, two weeks, I think, two and a half weeks. And we we just kind of randomly said, okay, let's go book flights. Well, I've always flown because where I live in Michigan, I just flown American. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just, I just go to my American Advantage account and I booked a flight. But this time, you know, the flights, when we checked on them a month and a half ago or so, you know, flights were, I don't know, 450, 550, something like that for a round trip. Uh, non-stop um, and it's interesting and I'll, I'll come back to this but it costs more sometimes to fly stops than it does a round trip which makes really no freaking sense especially if the flight takes 10 hours or 20 hours but you got to pay attention to that 
So we decided that, you know, we're going to make the flight. Then she came back and she says, oh, crap, you know, it's gone up. It's like 700 and something dollars, almost 800 bucks. Well, she gets a deal through Bank of America and um, and I get deals through Capital One. So we spent, you know, half hour doing pros and cons. What what does it look like to, to do either one? And I ended up had a credit card that I got a while back and I logged in and apparently it had a lot of miles, um, 22,000 miles. And I was like, hey, let's see what that does. Well, it helped because we ended up getting the flight for 550, 554, I think, total round trip nonstop. And uh, and it's because we had we we used the 22,000 miles. Otherwise, it was 770, you know, so I didn't think about looking anywhere else. And that's the thing. You know, if you don't pay attention to some of your flights and stuff, and even this happened to me recently when I had to book a flight for a nonprofit that I support. I had to, the flight one day was like $618. Two days later, it was $900, right? Holy shit. And one of my friends, she said, oh, well, I'll just book the flight. You know, I found it for 701. And I was like, okay, good luck. And sure enough, she goes, oh, it's 1,050 now. Book, book your end. And I was like, it's, you know, it's just, a, it's just a two days. But the gouging of prices today and we're talking about airlines. I didn't think about it until, until, until Stuart mentioned Sun Country about thinking about other smaller airlines. Yeah. Now, if you're in a large destination like Stuart is in the DFW area, you've got lots of options. In my area, we only have four planes. Well, four airlines. We have Delta, or do we have three? We have Delta, American, and uh, United. Yeah, we only have three. So... I think American, I could swear we have four terminals, but I can't remember the, the fourth one, if there's a fourth one. But anyways, those are the three that I remember. Uh, and that's and unless I go to Grand Rapids, which Grand Rapids is three hours away, then it's a larger air flight. And there's more different flights there, like Southwest and a few others that I could fly out. But that's a three-hour drive. You know, Traverse City is my closest. It's an hour drive. But it's no different than I was in DFW when I was back in Texas. It takes an hour to get to the airport just from Frisco. So driving about the same mileage, it's just two different airports, right? Right. Well, you know, it, but and also some of these smaller airlines are a division of United or American. You know, they're aligned with them and share some of the 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 schedules and all. For the individual, you know, look, if you work for a company, uh, there's usually somebody on staff that takes care of all of the corporate flight flight uh, plans. Uh, and that's their job. Eight, eight hours a day is to arrange flights for their executives wherever they're flying. For the individual, you could spend hours and hours researching flights. And, and what you said, Mark, is absolutely true. You could do it in the morning and then you say, you know, I'm going to have some lunch and I'll come back to it this afternoon. Price come back right in the up. afternoon and all of a sudden what you saw in the morning is completely gone. I and remember in 2000, uh, I want to say 2017, I was trying to fly from DFW to Traverse City and the flight a week before was like 440, 500 bucks, which is, $200 more than I was paying because it was a time that it would, it would cost me 
280, 350 to fly round trip. Exactly. You know, and so it was, this was in 2017. Well, I couldn't find the flight for less than 800 bucks. And I, and we had a week, a uh, week and three days or something like that. So it was like 10 or 12 days before the, for the trip. <clears throat> and so I was telling one of my colleagues and he's like, Oh, let me go, let me go figure it out. So, I mean, I was sitting there, we, we had the same office and I remember him. I mean, it wasn't even 12 minutes. He turned around, he goes, Hey, I just sent you the, the information. I booked the flight and everything. I was like, Oh, okay. And he goes, yeah, I got it for two thirty-eight. Oh, holy smokes. Yeah. Okay, great. Where'd you go? And, he, and I think you went to Priceline or something. Well, okay. So let's back up for a second. Yes. He got it cheap. Now, when we're trying to make flight arrangements, all of us do the same thing. We're trying to find the best time that we're willing to leave and the best time we're willing to depart and come back home, right? Well, I wasn't thinking twice about it. I wasn't even until I got to the airport. I had, I had my itinerary, uh, but I was so busy that week that I really didn't pay attention to anything. He got the flights. Everything was great. And I'm flying out United. And I'm on the, I'm in the, I'm in the uh, area. I've already checked in. I'm waiting to go for them to call our seats and everything to go sit on the plane. And I just happened to look at my itinerary and I was like, holy smokes, I'm going to go to Atlanta, change planes and get on spirit. And then I'm going to fly to Chicago and then I'm going to sit for 10 hours. <laughs> and then I'm going to get on Delta. And then I'm going to fly in, and Delta was the other one, yeah, into Traverse City. I left in the morning at 6.50. I got it. I got there that night at 8 o'clock, right? And on the way back, it wasn't so bad. I only had American to, uh, tri uh, to Chicago, and then from Chicago, I got on Spirit and then flew to DFW. And I will tell you, yes, it was cheap. And, and I technically I didn't have to pay for it. It was $238, but you get what you pay for. And I'm going to tell you right now, spirit airlines was the worst flight I had ever had in my entire life. And I don't care which flight it was. All I can remember to tell you was I felt like it was, uh, if you remember some movies that you watch and you see a bunch of people that are crammed on a bus riding on a back roads. There's no air conditioners, yeah. chickens on top of it and everything. Yeah, like, okay. like through the mountains of Columbia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I felt like that flight in the air. It was horrendous. The guy next to me was sweating and, and there's no air in the thing. And you felt every single, it's as if the thing didn't have air shocks because you felt everything. Uh, and I was mountains. miserable the whole time I was miserable. I was like, okay, this is it. And I've never flown spirit again. And now I know that they're no longer in business. Thank God. Cause their flight, their planes look good, but I don't think they maintain their planes. And if well, they did, they were some crappy planes. Yeah, well, that's the thing is they had, I think, older aircraft. And what led to them going bankrupt is um, they just expanded way too fast. Uh, in the last three years, they've added so many new routes, uh, new hubs. And uh, I think that's ultimately what hurt them, especially when you're talking about the C word and yeah. all the all, all the lockdowns, right? So when that happened, that I mean, of course, that's going to hurt everybody. But uh, when you're when you're trying to be somebody that you're not, go from ultra low cost, and then trying to basically take on 
um, more of a hold of the industry within your within your area, right? Ha have the monopoly, let's say, um, then you know there, there's financial repercussions from that. Right. You know, obviously, there are some people that will may probably think that Spirit is just the greatest airlines because they always save money. And there's some people that don't mind giving up some amenities and everything in order for a cheap airfare. Mm -hmm. But I don't really quite understand why you have to give up, you know, just to save a few bucks, you've got to give up comfort because uh, it, 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 just, it doesn't add up in my book. It doesn't. Uh, and the thing is, Stuart, you're you're going in the right path. You know, when you think about flights, for me, I just want to get on a plane and get going. But I've flown Delta and and um, United, and I, for some reason, they don't seem to be any kind of a luxury. Any kind of they're just an economy, cheap flight sometimes, more expensive than others. But you know, as much people that would say American stinks because of all kinds of things. I will say out of all the flights and everything I've ever done, American's always been a luxury flight. It's all, I've always, the people may stink, you know, next to you or, you know, the people that work for it, but the plane itself has always been somewhat comfortable and I've been able to be, I don't know, I guess myself comfortable. I, Cause mm -hmm. you know, your, your peace of mind is get on the plane, get to your destination and, Get out of there. Now, there's times when, you know, they screw up terminals and their destination gets changed and all that crap. That happens with it. Well, I think one of the main considerations is, uh, and, and you know, I'll, I'll tell the audience, too. I am I am basically anti-airlines. I, I don't fly unless, unless it's an emergency and I have to be someplace, you know, for a funeral or something like that. Uh, I, I'm retired now and I have the luxury that I can get in the car and I can drive. And honestly, you say, oh, are you crazy? Look, if, if I'm going to have to spend an hour and a half or something to get to an airport and I've got to be there two hours before the plane and the flight is two and a half hours, then I got to wait an hour to get my, my baggage when I arrive. And then I've got to rent a car and drive another couple hours to... You add all of that up, and you're talking ten hours. I mean, I can I can drive from here to Atlanta and be there at the same time as sitting around an airport waiting to get on a plane in order to fly there. Yeah. Uh, you know, plus the fact over the years, uh, you used to get your airline ticket. You used to either buy a one way fare or a round trip, and usually round trip was cheaper than a one way. A two one-way fares. Uh, it was, you know, they try and encourage you to get a, a round-trip ticket. And it included a, a small meal or a snack bag or something. All that's out the window now. Mm -hmm. now. My wife flies to Florida every three months to visit her mother, and she usually goes southwest. She can go online, and she usually likes to fly like Saturday to Saturday. Well, sometimes it can be $180 to fly to Florida, and $59 to fly home. Yeah. I, I mean, a, a, a real disparity, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and one thing I can comment on that, Stuart, is the airlines have this whatever consensus that um, they're going to charge business people 
families more money on certain days. And it's usually the, the Monday, the Friday, the Saturday are the most expensive. Right. And then if and then you know if you look at the 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 costs on Tuesday Wednesday those are going to be the the lower price price points. Yeah, so, and she, sometimes she will say, "Okay, I'm going to go Saturday to Saturday," and uh, she'll see that it's $189 if she goes on on Saturday, but if she goes on Sunday, it's maybe $79. Mm-hmm. So you know, and and one one thing, Wes, you know, have have you found too that that sometimes they will say that. Uh, like Wednesday morning is the best day of the week to book your flights. Yeah. And, uh, and usually, usually early in the day, midweek is the best time because it's before they know how many seats are going to be left for flying that, that on the weekends. Exactly. I think that's been kind of anybody that's uh, in the actual sales aspect of airlines, like working for, um, like I said, Expedia, or even directly at the airports that are actually printing out all the tickets for everybody. Uh, that's one thing that they do comment on is that, you know, try to book on the Wednesday, like early, yeah. early morning Wednesday, and you'll get, um, you'll get the discounts for, for the week. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and what? the interesting thing was 2010 to 2013, I did a lot of flying. And you can't do this anymore, but back in the day when I would fly, Stuart was mentioning uh, Southwest. I flew all my flights out Southwest because same thing, uh, either coming or going, one of my flights was cheaper. And you know, the one thing about American, if you can find the lowest price going out, you can pretty much find that price coming back. So that pretty much locks your price in. As Southwest is a little different. The price can change both ways. It can be cheaper to go and more expensive to come back. But back in the day when I was flying, I was flying out like every other week. And so I flew, I flew out probably, I don't know, 35 times in, in 2011 that I remember. And if my flight said it was going to depart at 620, at 530, and it takes me, and I lived in, in Frisco, and I could drive to Dallas, it takes you 35 minutes going 60 miles an hour to get there. Well, I could go 75 miles an hour. Speed, drive there, get there, get there at 6.10, planes loading up at 6.20, and I made the flight. Every freaking time you had, and, and listen, back in the day, Stuart remember this. Well, maybe not, because I'm not sure if you were here at the time, but there used to be two areas that you could get their flight in. So once you've got your tickets and you're booked and everything, which I did it all online or through an app, then you can go to the front area, which is the big area, to get all your tickets and all your stuff. Or you can go to the back area. So you go into the main airport, you go all the way to the back, and you go to the, it's the bass terminals, and there was always one person there, and there was always like five people in line, never more than that. And, you know, my flight is leaving in 10 minutes. There's the plane. I see the plane, right? And here's Mark. Got my bags, ready to go, I'm half asleep. <laughs> and I'm just lollygagging in there. There's been a couple of times when, um, the stewardess looked at me and goes, well, hello, Mr. Warner. I'm glad you could make it. You know, the plane's been waiting five minutes. Um, now you can't do that anymore. And they've since removed that. You can only do it from the front of the airport. Now, now it's a cattle call. You do have to leave two hours prior. You need to be at the airport. Even if you get to the airport and you get through the line and now you're an hour and 25 minutes waiting, it's better than that, than waiting that extra hour. And then the cattle call is so bad that now you're you're going to miss your flight. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the tie up is not at the counter anymore. No. And, and checking in your bags and everything. It's, it's security. TSA. Yeah. You're trying to get through that because everybody's got to get funneled through the same, the same aisles. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because even American, you know, there's, if you go into like, I'm just going to say the last flight I flew in was a uh, C terminal. And when you go in, there's probably, I don't know, 15 different TSA areas. Right. And because I was trying to get into one flight, it was right there. It's like, I could see the people sitting through the TSA. Right. But the line was so long and I was like, Oh crap. I got an hour and like five minutes. I mean, it was just right at an hour. And there was no way I was going to make this line because they were going so slow. And I, I heard people saying, oh, it's been 45 minutes and I haven't even moved. And I was like, all right, screw this. So my buddy that was with me, he goes through the pre-screening, which I never did. And so he gets to go in there and he's already in there waiting. So finally, there's a lady that comes up and she's walking by. And I said, ma'am, I hate to bother you, but my flight's leaving in 40 minutes. And there's no way I'm going to make this. She goes, oh, honey, just go down, you know, two stations down. There's hardly like, it's like three people. I just came from there and there's like three people in line. And I ran and I got, I ran all the way down there. It was at the end of the terminal. So I'm at terminal three and it's at 38, right? So I'm running down there and I'm run. I get through the TSA. There's four people in line. And all of a sudden I see 10 people that followed me. As soon as they saw me get out of line and and screaming through, they did the same thing. They followed me like, okay, he knows something, right? Because they didn't hear what she said. They just were like, wait a minute, he's leaving, right? So I'm running and I'm thinking to myself and TSA going, you idiots, if you didn't know that I was going to come down here, you just got yourself out of line back there. There's no way you heard that lady say anything. But we all got through, we made it through there and I still had 30 minutes left to, to sit and go. But that I got lucky. And sure enough, if I was in that line, I was telling my buddy, I said, look, see that lady in line with her two kids? He's like, yeah, I was behind her. She's still in line. She's still like 10 people in line. I, would, I wouldn't have made the flight. Yeah, I, I think that's a commonality between your, your TSA, um, like you said, your security aspect, and then you've got customs and immigration as well for people that have to go, um, you know, cost right internationally right so and it's not always tsa Wes. it's not always security it's not always their problem sometimes it's just the people look it i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna stop here but this is what i this is what i that i do Mm -hmm. i pack up my stuff i know i have common sense so i know what i need to do i know that when i get there i've got to put my bags in there I, i the best thing to do is not have anything on you i put everything in my backpack wallet, cell phone, keys, my belt, everything, right? So all I got to do is take my shoes off and it goes in those trays. And so I pull out my tray, my my, uh, my uh, hygiene stuff. I pull out my laptop, my iPads, whatever it is, those electronics. I put them exactly where I'm supposed to put them, right? Sometimes they tell you, you don't have to take your shoes off. Sometimes they tell you, you don't have to take your jacket off. It just depends on when what they're trying to do and who's watching it. Right. But I, I, got, a, I got a system. And I get the in the, I get the heck in and I get the heck out of there, right? While everybody is this lollygagging, oh, oh, wait a minute, I got to take my shoes off. Oh, you want me to take my belt off? Oh, wait a minute, hold on, I got my keys in my pocket. I'm like, there's a sign that tells you what to do, but nobody's paying attention. Yeah, that's what yeah. takes the longest. 
I, I think my dad is the same way too, Mark, that he, he basically follows the same system as yours. He hardly ever, unless it's like a very long trip that we as a family are doing, for example, where you take not just a carry-on, but you, you check your bags, right? So for the most part, my father being a, well, he's retired now, but you know, as a business person that would travel a lot between Canada and the U.S., that's what he would do is he would, um, everything would be carry-on, right? He would have basically two bags. If he needed a suit, he would have a suit bag, put all the shoes and everything in the suit bag, and then his regular day-to-day -day stuff would be in a duffel bag, sort of a bag. Right. And he would be very um, particular about how he packed his bag, meaning he would actually roll the clothes. There's a bunch of people out there that travel a lot as well and, and they have figured out that if you roll your clothes that's it's actually a lot more compact it is yep i do that now yeah well the yeah. regular business traveler learns how to do that oh yeah but but the thing is if you're stuck behind you know 12 families uh you know that they're this is their sir first or second flight and they got three kids in tow and each one of them has got to go through tsa you're all set to go, ready to go, but you've got to wait your turn to get through unless you have paid another $50 more per ticket or something in order to get, uh, you know, some kind of uh, extra pass around security. Uh, my, my son, because he's a, a business traveler, I think he's gone through s some kind of process uh, so that his ID now has got a special notation on it that he shows at TSA and TSA says, oh yeah, go go right over here to uh, you know this entrance and you bypass yeah. that so other I, area. That's pre-screening. Yeah, so I can speak a little bit more on that. Um, I know that if you uh, have a American Express credit card and you do a lot of shopping with your credit card, you can transfer any of your American Express points to any airline or any hotel service that are part of their, their, their program. And you can get, um, of course, that, that priority, um, priority boarding, you can get, you know, your VIP, um, clubhouse for the airline. Right. So you can go get, you know, food and stuff in their little waiting area and be kind of away from the crowds and the noise. Right. So that, that's something directly with American express that you can benefit from. I know that there's a lot of people out there that, think they know a lot about all the different perks and stuff that you can do. And maybe some of these um, off the wall memberships that you can invest into thinking that you're going to get something special when, when all you really need is the American express credit card and do a lot of your shopping with that card and then just move your points. Uh, the other thing that uh, a lot of business people do um, certainly my father, when he was still in business um, with cor corporate America, basically, uh, is the Priority Club. There's actually a club called Priority. Um, <clears throat> and that has benefits as well. So again, it's about making sure that you're ahead of the line at TSA. You get VIP treatment. Um, you get those um, luxury lounge memberships, basically. So that does help to alleviate that stress and the um, restraint that comes from you know, big families and that that are right. traveling with their kids and, and stuff that business folk don't really want to 
put themselves in, right? Well, the biggest thing, Wes, is that when you're traveling, and I know that Stuart can probably contest this with Lauren when she tries to fly out, you, the more simplistic that you make the entire process, the better, right? So sometimes price is just what it is, but we want the luxuries of just being able to go in and get out. I yeah. got a, I got a process that I got to do, right? I could fly and go all the way and drive to the other side of Dallas to go to Southwest. But sometimes that didn't prove, depending on where I'm going, like in this case, coming to Michigan at the time, there was no Southwest unless I went to Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. And I did that one time where I got a rental car and I drove three hours. Uh, I also did it to Detroit. But the problem is, is it's that extra three or four hours that you're in drive time and you save some money, but now you're having to drive three or four hours. Mm -hmm. Okay, so getting to your destination is not so bad. But when you're leaving, it makes the trip unbearable. So now it's just like, if I can't get a direct flight, a round trip, I'm not interested. You know, okay, so there's one stop. But if you don't pay attention, those stops can be two to four to six, ten hours. Yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes yeah. the pricing, the, the I call them price gouging because it's interesting that I'm going to fly from Traverse City to ORD, which is Chicago, and then I'm going to sit for five hours, and then I'm going to go fly to DFW. It's $300 more than a direct flight that I found, but I had to leave at 6 a.m. in the morning in order to get there at noon and fly a two-and-a-half-hour flight or almost a three-hour flight. Then it's $300 cheaper. Well, that makes I, know, no sense. I know a lot of the reasons why fares are the way they are um, is because the individual airports, um, they have um, basically their terminal and landing fee structure. Um, like the, the big terminals like JFK, um, LAX, uh, Chicago, O'Hare, uh, right? Those terminals are going to have a higher price point for their landing fees for the for the aircraft and for, um, you know, the, okay, you've got your landing fee, you've got your terminal fee, you've got uh, all these fees you know, attached to where you're landing, where, where your service route is going to be. Um, so a lot of these startup airlines, the uh, ultra low cost or low cost airlines, uh, in order to make that aspect cheaper on them as an operator, as well as you know, that cost being extended to now the customer, what they've done is, and I'm sure you guys have noticed this too, is that you have a lot of these aircraft companies that are focusing their routes on Las Vegas, Arizona, and um, uh, just outside of, um, oh, shit, what's the name of that? Town. No, what, not no California. Yeah, just outside of LA. Um, oh, okay. I was like, there's got to be a California. There's yeah, the, the desert, the, right? If you go into the, the, the land the that's going to fall off from the ocean someday. Yeah, 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 exactly. So those are kind of the areas that they tend to base their, their operations out of, and it's because they've got lo low, low. Well, I still go back to, to, I still go back to what we discussed in the beginning. Mm. Uh, price is not always the best. Exactly. And it doesn't matter what airline, but I go with what is the most comfortable. I know I can go with American. Yep, going to pay a little bit more. But I know the planes well. I know the different size models. I know what I'm getting into. I know the airport and the destination that I'm going to fly through TSA to get into where I need to go. Uh, and Southwest is not bad either. It's just it's not in my area. Otherwise, I would fly Southwest. The planes weren't bad and the staff wasn't bad and the getting in and get out was not bad. You know, but it's not like it was in the 80s where you'd fly and you're going to get a, you know, um, a fifth course meal 
Nowadays, yeah. you're yeah. going to get a little bit of soda and a bag of chips or, or peanuts or, or chocolate chip cookies, right? Oh, and, and, you, and you pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you pay for it. I, well, I don't want that. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's a little store that's inside the, the airlines. Once you go through TSA, you just buy your own stuff. That's what I do. Yeah, and except it, it's, it's like $6 for a candy bar. Yeah, I know, or, or, but or at the so, same you know, time, it's, 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 it's the same price of getting it online. Yeah, it, know? It's, and, and, that, that, that's what I mean about, you know, that, that you might be able to save a few bucks on your, on your ticket and all. But, uh, for instance, you go to check your bag in, and it's happened uh, to Lauren uh, a couple of times. Oh, ma'am, your bag weighs 52 pounds, and it's a 50-pound it's a limit. So uh, it's okay. You can either open your bag and take out two pounds worth of stuff and try yeah. and stuff it into your purse, and all, or, or it's $40 more to send it pounds. through as is. Right. What do you do? Uh, yeah. You send it off. Yeah. No, yeah. she she takes an oversized bag, so she has to take take a couple pair of shoes out of the out of the suitcase. But so, the why should you as the flyer be inconvenienced in order to go through all of that in order to be able to proceed with your with your your trip? Right. Yeah, exactly. I in in 2016 or 17, I want to say it's probably 17. Um, I decided to bring my my drone and fly with my drone up here, and oh, I'd already wow. gone through all the TSA stuff. I had nine batteries. Now, there's ah. supposed to be a limitation on batteries, right? But I flew with them, and the lady told me, you can't put them in a the cargo. You can only carry them on. That's fine. So I had a carry-on and my backpack. And my carry-on was the exact under TSA rules to fly with my drone and all. It had roll-around wheels. I bought this case specifically. And um, all batteries were inside there. And it had a roll case in there. It had two wheels, and I, and I was able to pull along because it was heavy. And then I had my backpack and then my third package, I put it into the cargo. Well, getting here was not a problem. Then it was okay. Now I got to fly home. I, so I get to Traverse city, get to the airport. No problem until I get to the lady up there. And then she sees that um, I'm carrying a drone because that's, you had to put that in requirement. Uh -huh. And the lady looks at me and she goes, where's your drone? And I said, right here in the case. And she goes, okay, so what you got in there? And I said, uh, I got bat oh batteries. Oh no, you can't take batteries on. Oh, uh, what do you mean I can't take batteries? She goes, you you can't you can't take those on. I go, what do you mean I can't take them on? I, I yeah. she goes, you're gonna have to throw them away. I looked at her and I go, ma'am, that is three thousand dollars. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna tell me I gotta throw my batteries away? And I argued with this lady until there was no end. And the manager came over and she she was not informed at all on the rules, right? So the manager comes over and he says. What's the issue? And I said, I flew here last week with my drone and the nine batteries. And he looks at me and goes, you got nine batteries in there? I go, I do. Because I do a lot of flying. And I did a lot of flying time. And he goes, well, okay, so you can't put them in cargo. I said, they're not going in cargo. It's my roll-on. And I'm going to put it up in the, in the carrier. And he goes, you can't put them up there either. And I go, I flew here that way. He goes, well, they on, might explode. On your airline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on your airline. And he goes, oh, they might explode. And I go, so you're telling me I flew from DFW to Traverse City and I could have blew up the plane? He goes, it's definitely possible putting the batteries up there. And I go, then what am I supposed to do with them? And he goes, you need to take them out, put them in your backpack. And I go, okay. 
And your backpack's going to go where? Underneath your seat. Yeah, exactly. And I go, I don't know that I can fit it. So I'm sitting there and there's 25 people behind me. They're not frustrated at me. They're frustrated at the lady in front of me and they're frustrated at the manager. So I, so a guy, he helps me get it all unpacked. He gets, helps me get the batteries. But I mean, I'm full. I'm having to move things from one thing to another. I'm sitting there holding the lineup because they would not let anybody else go through. That's how cynical this lady was. She's like, you know what? Screw all of you. I'm going to make this man change out all his baggage and stuff. And then when he's finally approved and on the plane, then I'll check out the rest of you. Right. And I kept apologizing. And the guy goes, stop apologizing. Stop apologizing. It's okay. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And I get on there and there's a, there's the co-pilot on the plane. And he says, you Mark. And I said, yeah, he goes, I'm so sorry. You had to go through that. We need more experience. We need to train our staff. You can put your, you can, if you want to, you can put your stuff back in your bag and put them where you need to go and put them overhead. It's, they're just inexperienced and don't have any knowledge of it. And sure enough, you know, I, I got a letter because I, I made a complaint. I did get a letter and it just said, so sorry that you had, you know, bad times and, and that here are the rules of the batteries and everything. And it's exactly what I'd read to begin with, Before, but yeah. it still happens today with certain people, yep. but people don't pay attention to listen, you're going to fly out from one destination to another. Check the information. Make sure that what you're going to take along can go. I can't tell you how many families I see that have a car seat or, or a stroller or something that they think they can just take and carry on. And they're looking at them going, you, ma'am, you can't take that. It's, we don't have room for you to put that anywhere. You know, that, that needs to be checked in. And they don't do a check-in all the time there at those little stations. So you, know, you have to make them go all the way out, back to the front terminal, get out of line, and the plane's waiting to leave. I've seen that happen so many times. So anyways. Well, you know, the other option is you take your nine batteries and you put them in a, in a box and you ship it down ahead. It was more money. Huh? Yeah. I thought about doing that. It was going to cost me more money. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was going to cost me two hundred bucks to ship it. See, I I say put it in the trunk of the car along with your bag and everything. And start the car and yeah, drive. All right, hey guys. So here's the final question I want to put out there: If you were the type of person like a, um, you know, let's say it's a ra radio company owner, uh, don't want to put a name out there, but. <laughs> Let's just say you have a business and you sold it for a billion dollars and you want to buy or form your own airline. What are key points that you want to have for your airline? And maybe are you going to focus on domestic flights or are you thinking, um, you know, the touristy vacation based uh, clientele that want to go to like Cuba or uh, Cabo San Lucas? Do you want to go international vacation style or short trips? Wow. That's a hard question to answer. Interesting question. Well, you know, yeah. if, if, if I, if I sold my business for a billion dollars or something, I don't know whether I'd have to start my own airline. I would just uh, you know, retire, be, be able to get on anybody else's airline and, 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 and fly. But no, given, given that, that scenario, Wes, I, I think I would probably do like like the guy you mentioned at the start of the show that's got one airplane. Uh, I would probably go out, get myself, start a little airline with one, two, three air, airplanes, five destinations, make, make it nice and easy, and then concentrate on taking care of those passengers. 
uh, and all. When they get on my airplane, take good care of them, give them something to eat and drink and all, and make sure that that's a, a pleasurable experience. So when they get off the airplane, they're refreshed and ready to go. I think that's where I would put my concentration. Mm-hmm. Mark, I don't know what you? I would do. Um, I think because there's been a few times that I've flown out some executive charters that I might go that route. If I'm a billionaire, um, I might, I might end up trying to go to my clientele and say, Hey, I can fly out. Now there's a lot of things that I have to work in, right? The destination, the cost, the gas, the fuel and everything that goes along with it. But if I had a smaller plane or could rent planes, which you can do it all the time, then I would charter out and I would start there because if you can, if you can get a certain clientele built up, then you could go 10, 15 years and make money. It, sure. What happens is if you go back to the beginning, you talk about s- spirit, right? Mm-hmm. There's a point where going too large, too fast is the death of a company. And yeah. I can't tell you how yeah. many times I've seen a company and, and we're, and this is even outside of airlines. You, if you're going to start a company, start it right. Because if you're going to franchise it and build it up, or if you're going to just pop up new stores all over the place, You'll want to do only so many. There's a market analysis that you can get done. It's going to cost you some money to do it. Airlines are no different. You're going to want to do a market analysis. You're going to want to find out what's the cost ratio versus what it's going to cost me to maintain. And I think for me, I would start off with the, the smaller charters and, and go that route for a while. Yeah. Um, having had that conversation myself with um, some executives in um, you know, the management sales charter, business that's one thing that was commented to me is that you should start off uh not with the commercial status of commercial scheduled flights but do have your one aircraft or two aircraft and do charter because when you build out your charter base you're actually building out your customer base and and then discovering from there what your customers wants and needs are so that you know all of a sudden maybe you might have in in the course of a month maybe 50, maybe 20 passengers that say, well, it would be really nice if you had a, a routing that fit within the schedule that they have. Right. Right. Um, yeah. The, the so, other option, the other option is to, to, to take your little air airline and all and, and partner up with a corporation and just do cargo flights. Exactly. Uh, not oh, have yeah. to worry yeah. about the people aspect of it. Just say, I will work for you. You, I will be the airline to take your cargo from point A to point B and then pick up cargo there and bring it back. Well, you mentioned something very interesting. So to end it, but I, uh, a few years ago, I'd say a few years ago, probably 2016, 17 timeframe, a colleague of mine was looking to buy a, a hotel, a, well, a motel. Um, mm-hmm. And it was uh, 38 rooms or 34 rooms or something like that. But right across the street was a regional airport. And his first thought was the guy that owns the place, he was getting ready to sell it. And I think he was going to sell it for like, it was just under $300,000. It wasn't a very expensive business. And they, they had one person on staff and that person did everything but the maintenance. Another person came in, did maintenance every once in a while. So very low cost. He was able to make uh, pretty much hundred grand a year uh, on salary and still paid another hundred thousand for somebody to have for staff, you know, two people, I think. So they paid them 38,001 and the other one was 50 something thousand. And so he made money. But the first thing my friend did was, okay, I, I get that. Let's go make a partnership across the street. If I can fly in 
some charters and get people to come to the to the motel spruce it up paint it put some money into it make them nice and clean well now i've got direct flights coming in and so maybe there's a stewardess or maybe there's a pilot and what if i just took my little shuttle bus and went over here and picked them up and brought them over here and then took them over the next morning he didn't have to do anything and lift any fingers yep i just made me a little bit more money because now i've made a partnership with a corporate company that has got a flight coming in because that's all they were doing was charter flights so they were having to come into that little regional airport and then drive 45 minutes to get to a town because no one wanted to stay at the motel because no one made the partnerships it wasn't that it was a bad motel just that they didn't make the partnership so Stuart, you're right on i think that's the thing is is that there's alternatives yeah and you gotta research those Again, speaking along that same line is I know a guy that's out of your former area, DFW, who was in the sports memorabilia business. And he was like the number one uh, sports memorabilia um, go-to guy for like all of the United States and or more specifically Texas, right? So wow. all, all the major stuff would go through him. Um, yeah. So what he did is he did end up tacking on that that kind of partnership where he now has his sports memorabilia and then he got into um, private jets. So he was able to, any of his clients that wanted to fly in could book his private jet flight flight service from wherever they were. And if they were international in Dubai or London, UK, they wanted to fly into DFW, they could use his private jet service and yeah. have um, you know clo that closed door service where they're not in in the public eye, right? So yeah. that worked out very well for him. And then of course, in in later years, he sold everything and moved out of Texas, and now he's in Tennessee, I believe. So let's end this show today, and we'll start with Stuart. What's the takeaway about airlines? What can we help people with? You got to do your homework. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes it takes a heck of a lot more time than you would like to invest. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to you have to be diligent and do it unless, you know, it doesn't matter whether getting from here to destination A costs eight hundred dollars round trip or four hundred dollars. If you don't care, fine. But if you're interested in, in saving some money, you're going to have to invest the time to search and search and search uh, again and again to try and find the best fares. And as Wes said earlier, sometimes you get what you pay for. Sometimes you might find that really low fare, but you got three stops. Uh, you run the risk of getting uh, uh, delayed and missing one of your connections and having to wait to get another connection in order to just save a little bit of money. But you got to do your due diligence and you just got to be savvy at what you do. I think I'm going to piggyback off of Stuart. Same thing. Yeah. I got to do your research, you know, but sometimes cheaper is not always better. Um, my favorite word for that would be convenience. What is it? What's convenient to you, right? Pay right. a little bit more and understand the flight and the destination you're going to, or try to go to a different airline you've never done before because it's a cheaper price, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, so do your due diligence by doing a little bit of research um, or just go with convenience because you've always flown this airline. You've always known that you've always, the price is more, but it is what it is. Right. So just suck it up buttercup 
Yep. And, uh, you know, take the money out of your wallet. And because uh, if you're not going to do it that way, then you're going to do it in gas. So, well, yeah, I, I mean, if, if you're not flying that often, then I guess the the like you just said, the the, uh, the luxury of consistency uh, of that particular service, what you know you're getting. If you're limited to American Airlines, for example, then that's who you go with and you fly them, you, you fly it once twice a year and you're done you don't have to worry about fees anymore right so All right. That, that that is something to for yeah. the listeners out there to definitely consider that hey if you're just doing it once twice a year then you don't have to really worry about uh the low cost fares you you're, you're spending for what you're getting and, and you're done with it at the end of the year um for me um i will end it on again yeah more so research but um you know, the one portal I think a lot of people use for whether it be research, for recipes, for cooking, uh, or just entertainment purposes, I have found that there are some YouTubers out there that do offer really good content, really good insights. Um, certainly in the luxury space, you've got Sam Chu, Sam, C-H-E-W, I believe is his last name. Uh, he focuses on the luxury VIP uh, sector, um, certainly um, Emirates uh, and oh, yeah, that sort of, of, right? So he gets like pretty good, um, he has pretty good relationships with these airlines and executives. So they they know who he is. There's a lot of people out there in the YouTube space that should know who he is already if they spend a lot of time on YouTube. And so he has really good content. Um, then the, there's some other people that are uh, just coming up through the ranks, I guess you would say, through YouTube. They're growing their, their fan base. Can't think of this one particular guy's name, but uh, he does the low cost and kind of the average airline uh, sectors. Um, so he flies short routes, long routes sometimes, and just kind of has a big, big overall picture of what the airline industry is looking like. So whether you're um, looking at your American, uh, Delta, common U.S. airlines, or even the smaller airlines, the startups like here in Canada, he did cover Flair. Uh, Flair is another air, uh, ultra low-cost airline that um, some people are familiar with, they've flown with, um, and they have their own opinion about it. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out. So definitely check out uh, the YouTube channels out there on airlines, people that are actually flying with them and experiencing them firsthand. Rock on. Well, that's it. That's your takeaway. Do your research. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Well, guys, it's been fun. It's been uh, episode number five. I love it. We are rolling on in to getting close to the double digits on shows. So. Hopefully uh, the next show, Monica and Robert can join us. But, uh, you know, if you are out there and you want to be a mentor and you want to be on this podcast, you've got a subject you want to talk about, we're looking for you. Um, believe it or not, your name is in my mind right now. I don't know who you are, but you're, you're right there. I see. I feel you. I feel your pain. You, you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I got something I want to add to it. Well, guess what? It's very easy. Just go to the mentorproject.live and uh, sign up. It's easy and it didn't cost you anything. Just uh, let us know who you are and um, we will uh, be gladly to talk to you and have you on a future show as a mentor. Uh, this is the Mentor Project Podcast number five 
and we are out. See you next time. Bye, You've guys. been listening to the Mentor Project Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a five-star review. Visit thementorproject.live for the latest blog updates and find us on social media at The Mentor Project Live.